You're listening to the Bible Roots Podcast with Pastor Randy Frazee. If you're a church leader looking for creative ideas to help your church engage more deeply with the Bible, this podcast is for you. And now, for today's episode. Well, welcome everyone to the podcast. It's all about Bible engagement. We have designed this podcast for anyone who longs to see people, including yourself, effectively engage, engage God's Word. Everybody is welcome to dial in, but our crosshairs are on pastors and church leaders. And we want to stimulate your thinking and give you creative and effective ideas on how you can see the people you lead engage God's living word in such a way that it transforms their very lives. Not only their lives, but their family, their church, their community, and even their world. In our first episode, we had a great conversation with Callie Parkinson, and we established a case for the importance of Bible engagement. In our second episode, I had a fascinating conversation with Scott Beck of Blue on how people grow. And if you have, haven't listened to that episode, I want to encourage you to do so. Leave a review and share it with a friend. And today, we have a good one, one I'm super excited about. And I want to focus today on the importance of story and Bible engagement. To help us with this conversation, we have Kyle Eidelman. Good friend of mine. Kyle is the best selling author and teaching pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, one of the largest churches in America. He's mostly known for his award winning book, Not a Fan, which has sold more than 1.3 million copies. And as an author, I'll tell you, that's a lot of copies and has sparked a movement among believers to ditch being fans of Jesus and become completely committed followers instead. Most of all, Kyle and I are colleagues and good friends. And Kyle, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah, man, this is fun. It's great to to talk with you about this. Yeah, it's really, really cool. We, we had a chance to uh, meet to kind of uh, go over this in uh, California, and I treated you to a breakfast and uh, in Coronado Island. And it was a bit expensive, so this podcast is a very is brought to you by the sponsorship of uh, Coronado Island. <laughs> so, it was a good breakfast. It wasn't that good, but it was a good breakfast. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm not going to tell anybody how much I spent on that breakfast, but uh, I did mortgage one of my kids to pay for it, pay it back. So, but hey, thanks for thanks for coming on board. Hey, let's you know we we you know we we have uh, shared a lot of common common uh, themes and overlapped and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about how, you know, we, I, we kind of first came together, particularly around this idea of story. And, uh, you know, I did a thing with um, uh, HarperCollins Zondervan called The Story, which is his 31-week uh, Bible engagement experience that really presents the Bible in a sort of an abridged chronology. And you were one of the, er, in, in, at least in terms of big churches, you know, I mean, Southeast Christian, you know, 28,000 people or whatever, you know, you have a whole city going to your church, you know, which is really pretty cool. You, you, uh, you were one of the first adopters of that. So kind of tell me, you know, what you saw on that, why and how it worked and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, we have a uh, very multi-generational church. We have a, a church that is very diverse in uh, spiritual church background and uh, I'd say we're about a third Catholic and then, you know, a third of different um, mainstream evangelical background and then a third of no church or, you know, everything else. Right. So when you have all those different types of backgrounds together, um, you're talking to people who are coming into it with very uh a very eclectic uh, perspective. And there's nothing like a story to help cross over that, uh, that gap. And, and we just saw the need for our church, especially to understand the overarching story of scripture. And, and so that when we are preaching and teaching on certain texts to understand that we're reading a chapter of a larger story, there, there's a lot more happening in the meta narrative than maybe what we're talking about on this particular weekend. And, and so to help people understand that and to understand the, the redemptive plan of God through Christ and how that is woven through scripture uh, was a, a, really, a really important journey for our church to take. And uh, what you did with this with the story project really fit the needs of our congregation and those needs, you know, were just, again, very eclectic. They were all over the place. What made you decide to, to do that? 
Yeah, you know, uh, a similar kind of thing. I was actually pastoring a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the time, and uh, I I was just really struggling for just exactly what you said, for people to see that overarching arc. You know, they mm. knew individual stories, or I would say a lot of even mature Christians, you know, were operating their Christian life on about 10 Bible verses, you know, Philippians 4.13, Jeremiah 29.11, you know, those kind of things. But so they, so they just didn't really understand the bigger picture. They thought the gospel actually began in Matthew. They didn't really see the overarching concept of it. And I had tried several different ways, including an unabridged, you know, version of the Bible, you know, in chronological order and got about three people to finish it. It was a pretty overwhelming task. And then one day, a uh, 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 guy from Zondervan, Doug Lockhart, who ended up becoming the president, came in and said, hey, I've got this new tool called the story. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, I've been looking for this for a long time. And uh, so I got pretty excited about it. And and uh, well, we needed to do some editing on it to make a more even chapters. And then I thought, uh, hey, the best thing to do would be to add some community around this to get people through it. You know, I had done some research on on the effectiveness of community, and uh, one of them was a, a, an example on uh, people who want to quit smoking. That if they uh, if they try to do it on their own, the statistical chances of success are zero. If they add a tool like a nicotine patch, it's five percent. But if you add community, it jumps all the way to forty percent. And mm-hmm. so we thought, what if we took this experience and help people get through it? By establishing community. So that's when we created the idea of doing it as a sermon series, doing it in small groups, doing it with the children and all that. So, and, and you did it. You guys went all in. You actually took it to another level than what we experienced. Uh, I did it. For, I, I actually didn't do it at the church I was at in Fort Worth. Um, but when I went to Willow Creek, uh, I pitched the idea to Willow Creek and we did it for the first time on a Wednesday night. And I saw the attendance jump like 50% at new community. And I thought, man, we've really got something here. Then went to San Antonio and uh, that's when we launched it on Sunday morning as we were writing it and saw this incredible outpouring of people, which I didn't anticipate. I started this with the idea of it being just for, you know, the people I was serving in Fort Worth. And I was really surprised at how people leaned into it. Cause you had the same experience, didn't you? Yeah, we really did. And to me, that is the power of story is that it, it, it has a, um, it has the ability to naturally create community because you're a part of a story together. And then it connects people in a way that is uh, more personal. I, you know, you see, I'll tell you where you see this is in the trend these days of, you know, TV shows and such where they, it, they don't just tell like back in the old days, you might have a sitcom and each, each show was a 30 minute segment. Right. And now they've figured out that they want to keep people engaged. And the way you keep people engaged is you thread that story. Right. So, you know, you watch one episode and it leaves you hanging to the next episode and they develop their characters. And, and you have, if you just try to watch one 30 minute episode, you're not going to understand it. you got to go back and catch up and binge watch a little, and then you uh, know what's going on, and and that engages people, and and then you see the community around that, right? Like you 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 can those those shows those stories, you know, connect people to each other, and so I, I love that you did that. We saw that with uh, within our church as well. Um, that you know we tried to build a campaign around it, which I think was was helpful, but I think the the story is what kept people coming and kept people connected, um, just continuing to make sure that we were intentional to thread it throughout what we were doing. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really fantastic. Uh, they, as Zonovan just called and said, it's, it's just, uh, jumped over the 5 million mark, which is really a pretty, as you know, in publishing a really assignment. Yeah. What what excites me is the number of churches that have done it and the number of lives have been changed. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know, we, we kind of delved into a little bit, but, you know, from your point of view, why story is so important in Bible engagement. So I know you've kind of do- dove into a little bit, but I remember when we were in, uh, we were in uh, California, you, you had some things to say about that. I don't know if you can re- recall any of those. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the, the way that um, story connects to our, our emotions, to our heart is easy to underestimate, or maybe a better word would be to undervalue. Uh, that we tend to think of Bible engagement as um, information, like, okay, I, I know I'm engaged in scripture because of the information that has been downloaded to me. I, I think, you know, growing up in church and Sunday school and doing a little bit of Bible bowl, I, I think the emphasis 
uh, was often on uh, the head. It was often on facts and um, you know being able to recite uh, certain verses or and and you know certainly that matters and there's a place for that. But if you miss the heart, then you, then you miss the point. And so uh, you know scripture is beautifully written in story form uh, because I, I think you know in large part it it connects our story to that. And, um, and, and so it's, it's much more engaging of the heart. Um, and so one of the things that we sure try hard to do when we do any kind of uh, biblical uh, engagement teaching is, is to, you know, unashamedly wrap that in story. So we might have outlines and, uh, you know, make it more uh, teaching in, in its uh, focus, but we're still going to connect that constantly to the story because that's what keeps people engaged. That's what pe keeps people connected. And, and I would say that, you know, people are inspired by story. One of the, uh, it's probably been 10 years ago, I was sitting around this uh, table with maybe 20 people who were brand new to church. And we would meet with we'd have that meeting weekly where we'd sit around and we would, we would talk about, you know, how somebody came to, to church. But one of the things I started to, to recognize is that when one person would share a story early on, that was maybe a little bit vulnerable or a little bit personal or go into a little bit more detail that it set the tone for the rest of the room, that stories became contagious, you know, the, that person shared it. And then the next, but if the first few people didn't share that, if they just kind of gave a few facts, you know, I'm married, here's how many kids I've got. And, you know, here's where we live and here's what I do for a living. Then that's what the rest of the room did. But, but as soon as somebody kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and shared story, then everybody else did too. And, and I love how scripture invites that, um, that as you are reading through and studying through and preaching through the different narratives, whether that's, you know, the, some historical narrative in the Old Testament, or whether that's a, you know, a parabolic narrative in the New Testament, that it invites other people to, to tell their story. And I, I often, will tell younger preachers and teachers like test of whether or not you've connected scripture to someone's head and heart is do they tell you a story of from their lives yeah in other words if, if they just come up to you afterwards and say that's a great message and here's what i learned ah, okay but if they come up and they tell you a story and you're like why are you telling me this story <laughs> it, it's because they've connected to something you said yeah and um and so i i think the, the power of leaning into that biblically invites invites people invites people you know i think i think Kyle uh, you know uh, the, uh, you know sort of brain science is telling us that you know everybody has kind of a, a story or a worldview going on in the center of their brain and whenever you engage in story and, and the story is engaging to them and they mm -hmm. find themselves in your story that you're telling they find themselves in the story it connects you, you with them so that they become a character in the story and they get kind of lost in it. And then when you introduce the new idea or the disruptive idea, that's where the transformation takes place. And it takes place better with story than just, you know, listing out a series of facts because the facts don't really sort of viscerally connect with them. Would you, would you kind of agree with that a little bit? I, I yes, I do agree that. And when you can build those into the story where they, you know, they're learning some of that in story form, then they hold on to them differently. Okay. Right. And it, you know, it's, it's an example of this would be, um, I could give you all kinds of information about Michael Jordan generation. I grew up in, I, I, you know, I could tell you about, you know, championships and scoring titles and MVPs and things like that. But, but if my son, who's a big basketball fan, if he is studying Michael Jordan or he, he knows who he is, knows, you know, but he, he wasn't a part of that story, right? So he can right. get the information right, but he's not engaged in it in the same way that I am because I was, I was a part of that, like that I experienced that. And, and so I, I would say that, you know, well, yeah, the story connects to our emotions and stories connects to, connects us through experience. And, you know, the, the, the power of that is what we hang on to. I mean, you, I know that you have this a lot too, where, you know, I can get away 
<laughs> I can get away in a sermon with using the same information, same teaching information from when I preached that text four years ago. Yeah. But if I tell the same story that I shared from four years ago, people will be like, oh, I, you've already used that story. <laughs> like they, I'm like, I used that whole sermon. You just remember the story. But they, they remember that. That just sticks with them in a, in a different way. Yeah, I agree with you. you. One of the things you mentioned to me is, you know, the Bible is is a story. You use the phrase, uh, you know, in the beginning. The whole thing starts out yeah. with in the beginning. You could also say like once upon a time. So the mm -hmm. Bible is a story, which seems to be a kind of an inefficient way to kind of get information to us because you have to meander through all the characters and this or that. Uh, but it is interesting that God selected the Bible to be encased in a story. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's fascinating to watch how, like, the marketing world today has figured that out. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, they understand that they need to wrap their product in a story in order to engage a, cons a consumer. So when you sit down with, uh, with any you know, marketing agency now, if, if you're trying to sell a product, you're not talking that much about the product. Right, you're talking right. the story of the product yeah, right. uh, because, it, it, because it engages people. And, and that's fr I think that's frustrating to the people who develop the product. They want to talk about the product, yeah. but it's the, it's the story that draws people in. And, and I think you know, God who designed our, our hearts and our minds knows how we think and, and knows you know, how to, to connect us. And, and so, yeah, the, the scripture begins in the, in the beginning. And then even if you look at the new Testament, it's remarkable how many times, uh, well, if you take the different genres, if Jesus is telling a, a, a parable, it starts, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like, yeah. Oh, he's telling a story. So he, you know, he kind of in the beginning, like once upon a time that, you know, or where, um, where Jesus is, if one of the gospels is telling us about a moment in Jesus' life, it'll be, you know, Jesus was on his way when, and, you know, there, there's these um, common ways of beginning a story that we see throughout scripture that I think we can learn a lot from as communicators. Like, yeah, tip people off, let them know, hey, we're getting ready to, you're getting ready to hear a story. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing to me how much real estate in scripture is, committed to the story genre i mean it really is if you compare it, it to like historical textbooks and such you know so much of it is is narrative yeah and uh and again it would seem to be uh, more efficient if you just kind of listed it all out but god who designed us knows that we connect to this uh, this concept of story and you know, another thing i think you, you you had we had talked about earlier is you know you you have these kind of very diverse members of your congregation and you're speaking to them all and you got like 30 minutes uh wow. that story is kind of a a, a transcultural kind of medium so and try to figure out oh do i speak now uh, uh theologically to the the babes in christ do i think do i now shift gears and speak to the mature in christ story kind of rises above it all in a, in a way doesn't it yeah it does if you have a very diverse audience it can feel very overwhelming to you know to say, okay, I need to say this to these people and this to those people. And, you know, when you're trying to tailor the, the message to all these different groups, you end up missing all of them because you're, you know, you're just barely touching on each one. But, but story has a way of doing that for you. It, you know, it, it connects people uh, that way for you. And I, I love, you know, the way you referenced, um, you know, the engagement of a story. And when we, when we um, when we make a story engaging, uh, you know, one of the um, one of the ways that I I loved what what the story project did was it it instead of it just being chronological, right? Like it leveraged engagement, and I wondered like how intentional that is. And then when you're not just telling a story, but how do I engage people in the story? Are when you're doing that, are there certain um, ways that you're saying, okay, this, if I, I can tell the story, but if I tell it this way, it, it brings in better engagement. Yeah. As it, when you talk about from a, from a preaching point of view, yeah, from a preaching point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I think I spend as much time, uh, figuring out how to tell a story in a, in a, in a message, uh, that might evoke some sort of, uh, some sort of reaction, 
uh, to the people. So I, I think learning, you know, they, t- they talk about comedians, you know, who are, you know, storytellers with the goal of, you know, releasing a lot of dopamine at the end of the, at the, at the end of the punchline. And just, uh, you know, sometimes it looks like a comedian is just uh, being very sort of, uh, uh, you know, on the cuff with the story. But the reality is the best comedians have spent hours upon hours learning how to tell that story in such a way that evokes sort of that uh, uh, that, that that sense of laughter that they're looking for and looking for that 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 uh, sort of punchline that surprises people out of the out of the blue. Uh, and so for me in telling a story, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for ways in which to uh, to tell it. And, uh, you know, and sometimes I have to tell you, too, Kyle, that, you know, when when we're going through the story, you know, I didn't want the contemporary story to o- overshadow the biblical story. I don't know if you ever I, I, I one time a professor of mine who went to the church I had in Fort Worth said, you know, you had a very compelling sermon today, but your your contemporary story overcame yeah. the story of the scripture and you yes. should have done a better job. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Letting scripture be the hero letting that yeah letting the biblical story be the hero is is uh is yeah absolutely that's good so let, let's let's shift gears to uh, and kind of turn it uh, to you uh i got uh, just a number of things i want to talk to you about one one is any thoughts on how you preach uh to uh it you know encourage engagement you know in in the in the lightest story but what are what are some other things as you're preparing a sermon delivering a sermon i mean you're not wanting just people walk out to be smarter but you're wanting them to sort of engage the message what 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 are some thoughts you have there yeah so one of the things that i i try to do is um have a specific person in mind as i'm developing a sermon so you know i i know a number of preachers who who uh, practice their sermon writing this way, but I'll write a couple of names at the the top of my manuscript or my outline. And then as I'm preaching, I have their story in mind. And it it helps me be a better storyteller. It helps me lean into certain, you know, certain moments in scripture when I am aware of a specific person and, and what happens is people more broadly connect to it when you're focusing on just one person. So you, the, the fear would be, hey, if I'm if I'm writing this, and I've got a you know uh, a single mom in mind, uh, then man, I maybe I'll talk to her, but I'll miss everyone else. But that's just not what happens. That when you when you are focused on engaging it with that one person. Uh, it draws more people to it. It, it. An example of this would be the way that. Um, like country music would work. There you right? go. Like I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I live in Kentucky and live on a farm, but I am by no means, you know, very country, but I can listen to a, a country song and there's a lot of specifics in the story I don't necessarily relate to, but it's the specifics of the story that make me relate to it, even though it's not necessarily especially relevant in my life. And, and um, I, can, I can draw those connections myself. Uh, so that helps me sometimes I, I don't know if you ever do this but I started off doing it subconsciously and now I do it intentionally when I am preaching certain sermons I I will within the first few minutes kind of scan through the congregation and you know I've I've prayed about it already but I'm looking to find the person that I know who needs this message yes and um and it's amazing to me how oftentimes God answers that prayer and he puts, you know, oh, there's, you know, this couple sitting right over here. And man, as soon as their story is on my heart, it changes the, the way I am, I am preaching and teaching, you know, the story of scripture. So, so that'd be one way to, to uh, engage the story is to uh, let others, you know, very specific and personal stories inspire that preparation and that delivery. Yeah, I, I, I just this last Sunday, I, I, I had a message that's uh, getting uh, out of Second Peter, where people were um, concerned about uh, whether or not the, the they had missed the second coming or whether he was coming back at all, and there were scoffers in the uh, scoffers in the uh, congregations that were you know convincing them that uh, it, it's never going to happen and. 
so that's just kind of a story basis. And, and then uh, uh, I was told by a, a neighbor that he's bringing his whole family for his birthday, and he's got a daughter that is uh, does, that was adopted, has got uh, and is just really resistant. And he wanted to know how the sermon would affect her. Yeah. Well, that's all I thought about is yeah. the fact that she's going to be sitting in one of the services. And I'm thinking, how is she hearing? So all of a sudden, I was concerned about how the story I was telling and the teaching was affecting her story. And I think it, fr frankly, took my uh, message to another level. It, it made it less focused on me and more focused on sort of connecting with her story. And, yeah, and that's I really I good. I, I, I think, you know, there might be those who would say, you know, uh, don't lean into that moment, right? Like, hey, don't let your sermon be, but but I am with you completely that that if you lean into that, you will end up drawing in other people uh, along the way, yeah. Hi, this is Randy Frazee, host of the Bible Roots Podcast, which is brought to you by my friends at Harper Christian Resources. Harper Christian Resources equips you to understand the scriptures, cultivate spiritual growth, and disciple your people with Bible study resources from today's most trusted voices. I want to talk to you a little bit about your, uh, just, I mean, something unique to you as a storyteller is the work you've been doing with movies. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, to t tell us a little bit about that for someone who may not know what you're doing in that in that way, and uh, it just it, and just what you're learning about because what you're doing is you're taking these movies and you're also helping to create engagement from it. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and and how that connects to story. Yeah, well, you know the the production uh, company Kingdom Pictures has put out uh, a couple of movies that in more recent years. Um, yeah, I can only imagine uh, movie, and I still believe movie with Jeremy Camp. You know, one of the things that I've done is kind of helped helped shape a, some of that story, but more from the perspective of how can the audience uh, be impacted by it beyond just the the entertainment for an hour and a half or a couple hours, right? Like what's the, what is the spiritual journey that this story should be inviting them on? So, you know, th there's a natural inspiration that takes place when you're, you know, watching a film um, like I still believe. Um, but, but to then, you know, take that story and let that inform um, the way I did this was with Romans 8. You know, I kind of took the story of Jeremy Camp and uh, I put that alongside of the different different texts in Romans eight, and uh, and let the story, let his story, shed light uh, on oh this is what that means in scripture. Here's what oh, here's yeah. how that made the difference for them. Here's how it can make the difference, you know, for for me in my life. And so that that's been the idea is how do we better leverage something beyond just you know the entertainment or the inspiration of that moment and um you know allow that story to more intentionally um direct direct the path one of my uh preaching professors um uh, you know he talked about story i really like this image as a um as opening up a window in a in a in a home you know where it's kind of stuffy and you know, when you open up the window and you let some fresh air in. And I, I think that whether it's, you know, in a sermon or like th those films, you know, for Romans 8, like teaching through some of that deep theology and then just, you know, uh, having a window that is open throughout the whole teaching, kind of blowing the fresh air through there. Uh, I think that makes a significant difference in how people receive it and hear it. And, and I don't know, like when you're preaching, do you have those moments where uh, you've maybe been preaching 10 or 15 minutes and you're like, I need to open a window. <laughs> you know, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> and if I preach 25 minutes and there's been no story, that's what it feels like. It feels like, ah, there's a window that needs to be opened in this house. It's getting stuffy. Yeah. And, and so trying to strategically, um, you know, place those, in in um in in the message or in the communication so that you know some fresh air comes in when, when you're preparing 
uh, well, you know, I want I want to talk about I want to talk about preparing a sermon. I'm going to hold off on that just for for a minute because I when I go to when I go to preach, I know when I've got an engaging manuscript. I don't know if you go to bed on Saturday night. Uh, I think you guys have Saturday services. But I, we just have Sunday service. I go to bed on Saturday night. I'm I'm you know if I know I've got a, a I'm going to start off with an engaging sort of story. I almost can't wait to get uh, to to the church and, and get up there and start teaching. If I've got a manuscript where you know it's been a busy week and and I've got just I'm just giving him information. I just dread you know getting 15 minutes into the message and looking at the people like okay we're we're trying our best to stay with you here but you're losing us you're losing us, and that concept of opening a window is a is a is a pretty is a pretty cool deal. Hey, let me ask you the question about uh, when it comes to movies. So you know with the movies you you're creating kind of a follow up experience for the movie so a person can watch a movie like I still believe and then have a follow up experience that might connect them from that story to Romans chapter eight, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Something I think we'll, we'll link in the, the show notes uh, w- along with all of the, the other things that you're doing. Uh, that's a pretty cool deal. H- have you guys at Southeast done the, at the movie series that's really popular, uh, uh, in, uh, in a lot of churches today? Uh, yes, we have. We've, we've done it the last, uh, I don't know, three or four years, uh-huh. we've done some version of it. And, uh, and, and it is, you know, I have mixed, to be honest, I have mixed feelings about it. I as do a- too. I do too. But, <laughs> but does it, it, cause, but it works, I think. It works. You know, it's, it's, it's really evidence of, of what we're talking about here is that people engage to it and you're taking a familiar story for most of them. And, um, and then you're using that as an illustration. I think that the, the danger where you have to be careful is what you referenced earlier is, you know, when that, when the movie uh, or the film becomes uh, the, the scripture substitute, you got a problem. Like yeah. if it's an illustration, uh, you know, and you can use it uh, in a similar way that you might use a, a parable. Uh, I think that's really great. If, if you're, if you're, if you're showing parts of a movie and then you're teaching out of the movie as if it's, you know, as if that is the, the scripture, then, then people might engage to it, but that's not, that's not what we're called to engage them to. So I, I think using those films engages people, but to what end is where we really need to be intentional, um, making sure that, that, uh, that it's connecting them to, to scripture, that it's an illustration, but it's not a substitute. I think it's a, it's a good word on the caution of story. I mean, we're, we're doing it for Christmas this year just three weeks. I'm super excited about it. It really does draw a lot of attention. A lot of families bring other families. And I know a lot of churches, I was just with our buddy in Houston, he used uh, at the movies this fall to really have a big call for people coming back to church. And it really worked. And I, and I think it's just to shows you the power of story, but at the same time though, I think we need to be careful to not let that, like you say, that, that story, which is so powerful overrun our, obligation to really move people toward that transformational truth of the scriptures. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't, I'm not sure who this originated with, but the idea of what you win people with is what you win them to. And, you know, using a, using a, using a movie as a way to engage people, if you're connecting them to uh, the gospel, to scripture through that, then that's great. You know, if if you're using it as a way to bring people in and, you know, they were entertained by it, then you, you know, it works for that series, but then you've got a real problem because, you know, what you win them with is what you win them to. Now they expect that every week. I know. That, that's not, you know, that's not what we're called to do. And uh, so, so yeah, we do it and I love it because of how it engages people in that way. Um, but, but I do think the, you know, caution is, is wise. And I think it, it reminds us too, also that you know when you're coming back uh, to the, the, the series that follows, you know, at the movie series, just how you need to keep story in the forefront uh, of your preaching. How do you preach through um, didactic books like Romans and Ephesians, which really aren't as story based? Do you have a, a a way in which you pull that off? Yeah, you know, a, a few ways that we try to intentionally. Uh, do that one i i would say from a preaching standpoint i do believe in the concept of of uh, matching genre for genre so if i'm teaching out of a um uh, you know out of an epistle i'm probably going to have more of a teaching sermon if i'm preaching out of a narrative i'm going to have more of a narrative sermon however i would say that um, making sure 
to find the story. So within Ephesians, um, as an example, where, um, you know, Ephesians 5 talks about, Paul talks about making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So you've got this really practical uh, challenge. Uh, but then you go to Acts chapter 19, uh-huh. and you read the story of Paul in Ephesus, and the opposition he faced, and the evil he faced, and how he made the most of that opportunity. Yeah. And, and so taking that, um, that passage, and then connecting it to you know, the story of Paul in Ephesus, um, assigns a story to that. And then, you know, engaging people, okay, so what's that look like for you? What's your story here? Um, becomes a really natural bridge. So, you know, that, and the other aspect of you, those letters and, and, and probably, you know, the beauty of those being written in first century Eastern culture is that they use so many uh, metaphors and word pictures. And, yeah. and I think it's really helpful to understand that a metaphor is a, is a story. A metaphor is a story. Yeah. Um, it, you know, just because we're not telling a, uh, a story that has, you know, characters and the, the arc and but a metaphor has that same kind of connection, that same kind of power. Uh, so finding the, you know, finding the metaphor, um, and then uh, allowing that to be used uh, in the same way that you would use a story, I think, is effective. Yeah, you know, I, uh, a couple things that come to my mind, which I think is brilliant, is that so when you're inside of a didactic thing, make the most of every opportunity, you know, going into like the book of Acts and finding a good example of that. Also in the letters, uh, they are the, these are letters. So there was an occasion uh, there's an occasion that caused the author to write the story, uh, write the letter, and it's usually a story. Like I was talking about the Second Peter message, uh, you know, the, the reality is is that there were people that were trying to convince them that Jesus wasn't returning. Well, there, there, there's a story there you can connect with too. Uh, but also on the metaphor, uh, I, I think I was telling you in California how um, I was doing a little. Q&A session with Mark Batterson uh, to uh, to a group of church planners, and they seem to be more interested in writing a book, you know, uh, from, you know, learning from us than, than uh, our, I haven't planted a church, so they didn't have a whole lot to ask me about planting a church. But, and, and Mark said, I, uh, when I'm writing a book, which would usually start as a sermon series, he says, I'm looking for the metaphor to, mm-hmm. to sort of hold the whole thing together. And uh, I think what you're talking about is uh, really important. Uh, a pastor in, um, I just heard a message from a, it's actually just a clip on, on Instagram, no, on uh, Twitter. And uh, he, he was teaching on the being sealed in the Holy Spirit, which is a hard concept to get. And he took his um, cell phone, which he had a waterproof cell phone. So he said, sealed means, you know, it's sealed. You know, I think you think of a seal, but he took that, the concept of being sealed, being kind of covered. And he said, he said, you know, I can, I can drop this. I can step on it. I can drop it in a t- tub of water, but it, it is pr- it is protected. It is protected from all the forces that are trying to uh, to rob me of this. And and I just that 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 when he dropped his cell phone in the water, uh, mm-hmm. you, you can just hear a gasp, including my own, going like, "Oh, you shouldn't do that." But he's saying, "No, it's protected. It's been sealed." And 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 he I, he drove. I'm, I'm assuming he drove that metaphor through the entire sermon. Is that, is that kind of uh, what you're talking about there? Yes. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great example of, you know, he's essentially creating the elements of a story by using a, um, by using a metaphor and um, you know, a metaphor is, is, is a picture. And that is really what a story is, right? Like you're, you're painting a picture. And so there, there are those, uh, I think you accomplish some of those same things. I think metaphor is a form of story and, and to understand as you're doing word studies, um, you know, in the New Testament uh, epistles, those different metaphors are, those are stories um, that can be, uh, can be held up and be developed and, and um, can, will have the same connecting power for people. When you, when you prepare a sermon, um, do you start with um, uh, what, the, what the actual sort of content is, study the passage, and then look for the story or the metaphor? Or do you start with the story and metaphor, or does it go back and forth? I start with one of the questions I really like to start with is, um, what's it look like? And sometimes what's it look like is an example from scripture. Sometimes what's it look like is an example, a story out of the news. 
Sometimes what's it look like is a, a personal illustration out of my own life. Sometimes what's it look like is a metaphor that's found in the text. But I really like to start with, okay, what's this look like? Because once I have a once I have that picture in my mind uh, of what what's this look like, then you know a, a lot of the message writes itself. So I, I like to I like to start with that question, and then it it leads to what I would call different story forms. Yeah. So you so you'll study a passage and say, okay, you know, uh, in the case of Second Peter, you know, Paul. I mean, Peter's really trying to encourage uh, people that you know that Jesus is coming back. And so, you're, so you'd say, okay, that's the that's the content I've got here. Now, what does that look like? Is that that's when you'd ask the question, what does that look like? And then that puts it into some sort of a story or a metaphor uh, yeah. format. Do you, yeah. do you, are, are you like me when you find that metaphor or or that story? You just get super excited because you know your sermon is about ready to take lift in preparation. Y- yes, and you know it it gives it different. Um, uh, perspectives. Like, so for example, you know, if you're talking about the return of Christ and scripture gives us metaphor story, you know, it's like a thief in the night. And then suddenly you, you start taking that metaphor or that story of a thief coming in the night. And you're thinking of the different ways to connect that to people, you know, that you're not expecting it. You're, uh, you, you, you weren't prepared for it. People said you, you know, people, you saw it happen with other people. You think, oh, that's never going to happen to me, you, you know, and now it's here. And, you, you know, it suddenly applies. The story has application, I think, for a lot of preachers is a really difficult thing. And, and story will apply text for you if you let it, instead of trying to just teach information and let people apply it themselves, you know, story is often that bridge that connects the information to the application. That is brilliant. That's brilliant. One, one more question, and, and that is, how does a pastor, teacher, I mean, learn to tell a story? You, uh, you have any thoughts on that? Because there's an art to that, isn't there? It's not just, I mean, we, we, we hear story, we're affected by story, but now you're the storyteller. Uh, is that something that just some people have a talent for, or is it something that can be learned? Any thoughts related to that? Yeah, I do think learned is the right word. Certainly there are more gifted, uh, you know, dramatic storytellers, but but I do think it's something that uh, happens with practice. You know, your illustration earlier of, of a comedian and how they, you know, they work at that. You know, the more you tell it, the, the, the more you know where to lean in and where to slow down, uh, what can be left out and how to, you know, what should be emphasized. And, you know, for preachers, where the transitions are, you know, I, I'll tell a story in my first service. Uh, and what I often will change in that story is is how I come out of it or how I lead into it. Uh, you know, there's something about telling that story in front of people. You know, there's some of my, uh, you know, coworkers around here, some of the staff around here, they know when we're in a meeting together, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them stories. And, you know, because I'm practicing something yeah. out of a sermon uh, and, you know, there are a few of them will be in different meetings and, you know, they're like, oh, we're, we're going to hear the story again, you know, because <laughs> I've already used it twice that week. And, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm trying to see how does this connect? Uh, where's the humor in this? Um, you know, you know, what are, where are the lean in moments? And it's pretty difficult to do that unless you, uh, unless you are practicing that or connecting that to, to real people. So I, I think that, I, th- I think that it is something that can be learned. Um, you know, you, for us in the writing form is a way to practice that when you, you will write out a story, you will learn to lean into different details that just get missed. If you just say, you know, you know, in your sermon, you just say story here about, you know, X or Y, this story might be fine, but if you'll write that out, yeah. and I'm, don't read it, don't get up and read it. But if you write that out, you'll find different places um, where you especially want to lean in. You know, that sounds kind of like obvious, but I'm just telling you, uh, it's absolutely critical that 
um, you know, you look at a movie, maybe the movie comes off of a classic book that was written that had already sold millions of copies. And so it was a long time in the making. And then they spend a year or two working on the, the movie script for it. And then they, they spend hours and millions and millions of dollars learning to turn that story into something that's compelling. Well, we got every six days, we got to stand up and get <laughs> right. something fresh. That's a challenge we have, but we have to engage in discipline. And, and so in the early days, I used to put down, tell the story of this. And I felt a lot of times they fell flat, but, uh, but I, I'm kind of a, a disciplined manuscript writer and try my stuff out on a lot of people in those six days. Is that similar for you or? It is similar for me. I, I, I tend to write out those things. One, one of the ways though I would challenge people is if you, if you have a story and you tell it a few times, it's amazing how when you get up to preach it, you, you don't need your notes. Like, you know, if you typically are, are staying, you know, uh, in, behind your notes, when you start to tell a story, just, you know, the story, especially if you've shared it a few times. So just abandon it and tell the story because it may not be exact, but what you'll lose and in, in it being exact, you'll gain in connection. Uh, you know, when, it, and so one of the ways, you know, I, I would challenge preachers is to say, when you're going to tell a story, change your position or your posture, change your pacing. You know, if you're behind a pulpit or a music stand or table, then that, when you're telling a story, you know, step out in front of that and, um, and, and people will lean in a little bit different. Yeah, they certainly will. Do, do you, uh, I, I think also a caution is um, it, once you find your main story, you know, you don't need four other stories to sort of convolute it. Or once you find the metaphor, you know, don't add five other metaphors in, in there, even though they might be interesting to you as a learner. For as, as a teacher, they're not as helpful, but just to really ride that metaphor. And usually what I, I don't know about you, but usually what I start with is usually how I somehow finish with as well. So I kind of bring a, bring, bring a bow uh, to that experience and sort of leave them with sort of a sense of completion on, on, on what, what to do with, with what I've just said. Is that similar for you? Yeah, and I, I, I love that approach is because you're, you're helping people to engage in the tension of the story. Like when you're starting it one way and you're ending it, you know, uh, with, you know, whether it's a bookend or it's a compare and contrast with different stories, when you do that, this is how they've been taught to listen to information, right? Like this is at their, this is how they consume it. So when you do it that way, you're letting them find some of that, that tension in the sermon um, that, that I think uh, leverages the way they are discipled to consume al already in our culture. Okay, I want to ask you one more question. It, it, it's it's a, it, another step beyond story to more an engagement. Then we'll we'll wrap up. We you and I, uh, you know, we chatted all the way up until we're late to the meeting that we came. We went to the other a uh, couple of weeks ago when we were in California, and I bought you that really expensive breakfast. Uh, <laughs> eggs that came out of golden chickens or something like that. Uh, but the the idea of uh, I, I, it seems to me that you know uh, preaching content, even story, is one thing. But again, trying to figure out how the, the people can do something with the message so that it's not just information, even if it's a compelling story, uh, trying to figure out how to get them to where they, they know exactly what to do uh, and how to engage it. I think the world of uh, pre preaching for just you know, a, a sermon out there or just to, to preach it, you've got to be thinking today, particularly with, with COVID. And, uh, you know, we were only getting a, people coming about 1.7 times a month, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, on the average, and you're trying to get them to come back more frequently, and you're wanting to get them to engage the sermon. So when you give a sermon, um, are you looking for some sort of action step that a person takes or different ways in which they can engage it? You know, increasingly I am because I, I think people need that um, just very clear challenge or, okay, here's what I want to ask you to do today. Um, you know, I want you to pray this prayer or I want you to look for this opportunity. And I try to make that specific. Uh, but, but the other approach here that I really like is to use, you know, what I would call sentence stories. Uh, they're just quick little scenarios that are their stories, but they're just, there's just short sentence examples. So for example, in Ephesians five, I'm talking about make the most of every opportunity that I might have four or five, you know, um, just 
one-off sentence stories. So, you know, so tomorrow when you go to work and it's Monday and your high maintenance coworker starts talking to you about the weekend, your tendency is to, you know, move along as quickly as possible. Try something different, sit down and listen and ask a few questions. And, you, you know, and I might have a half a dozen of those um, where the challenge is built into a story, but it, people wouldn't, if they're looking at that sermon, they wouldn't say, oh, that was a story because it was only two or three sentences, but it's a story. You're, you're telling, a, uh, using an example about this moment and there's a character and here's the dialogue. And, and if you can, you know, build four or five of those in, the, the challenge is the same, but the examples help people apply it. So uh, tonight I'm going to talk to uh, the University of uh, Louisville football team. And, um, you know, that gets a lot easier because <laughs> I'm applying it to a group of, of people who are all kind yes. of in the same narrative. They're all in the same story, yeah. but that's rarely a luxury that, that we have, right? So, yeah. so drawing people in with those short little sentence stories, I think can be really effective. That is really cool. I don't know how you keep up with it all, Kyle. Uh, I want to thank you for the time you've given us today. Uh, I was looking forward to this as much as anybody. I've admired your your ability to write, your ability to speak, your ability to tell stories, and just you know, following our good friend Dave Stone, who followed Bob Russell, two really gifted, gifted preachers, mm -hmm. uh, and yet you're all three very, very different. And to see the church really just uh, lean into the style that God has given you and how much we can learn from story. Your, uh, intri your, your intrigue with story and all the different things that you're doing is really teaching uh, us a tremendous amount. So uh, where, where can everybody find you uh, out there in the social world? Uh, you know, online, you can go to uh, kyleidelman.org or uh, on the social media channels. There's not a lot of Kyle Eidelmans floating around. So you can... Uh, beauty, beauty of Randy Frazee, yeah. Uh, just yeah. Add Randy Frazee at everything. So. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's a great, it's a great website. Uh, any final parting uh, word to pastors, teachers, or just anybody uh, as we wrap up? Well, you know, I, I don't, one thing that we didn't touch on that I would really encourage our listeners with is, you know, to share your personal story, uh, like not, not to be afraid to do that of uh, when you connect it to your personal experience, you are in that moment, you are building familiarity and trust that is uh, that nothing else will do. So, you know, I, I don't know how you were taught in preaching and teaching, but I, I was probably taught not to do very much of that. Um, and I would encourage, I mean, there are lines and, and certainly there's caution, but I would encourage, you know, communicators to not be afraid to share their personal story uh, as a way to, to help others do that uh, in their own lives and to build that familiarity and trust. I'm so glad you added that, man, we could do a whole nother episode on that. And particularly in relationship to what we were taught, you know, uh, in, in preaching and, uh, and then where people connect with us today and just even the art of where, where's the line on that. And, uh, you know, uh, boy, I just, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do another episode on sounds good. A personal story. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being with us today, brother. Uh, let's do this again. You got it. Thanks. You betcha. Well, everybody, uh, I hope that you've enjoyed episode three. And if you enjoyed it, I would encourage you to leave a review and share it with a friend. On behalf of HarperCollins Christian Resources, I'm Randy Frazee. See you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Bible Roots podcast. We hope you were encouraged and energized by our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review. This small gesture will help more church leaders discover our conversations around Bible engagement. And don't forget, like and subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Now, may your faith be strengthened through God's word today and every day.